My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so Sunday, November 5th in the year 2023. It's been a great day, man. We had awesome prayer session this morning, if you didn't know that. And uh, in spite of the challenges of getting all these shows pre-recorded, I can get them online on time, sort (laughs) of. I continue to be like 30 minutes late, an hour late. We'll work it through. Did a test again tonight on this equipment. I swear it's bizarre. I still have an audio feedback loop going. I don't know what happened. It's like the demons moved in or something, but at least we found a way around it, which is really awesome. Lots I want to just, I want to dig in tonight on a principle of intimacy and intimacy in our spirit, intimacy in our lives, and really kind of look at that. It's been really part of a walk that I've been doing here just as 
in my life and just over the weekend and just kind of giving some some reflections. And as always, we're uh, my weekend evenings are always just kind of the walk with Jesus and where it's taken me. Before we get going, I want to mention a couple of our great sponsors. We have uh, an issue right now in our country of food that's real. Uh, unfortunately, food is a bigger problem than just this because there's a lot of people going without food, but that only, only leads to greater indicators of where things are going to go. In the chaos that we're witnessing in the Middle East, which is very real, we have to be very cognizant of the fact that that sort of plan of creating chaos from agents of terror that have been brought into our nation has been set up to happen here. And that means the potential of having massive supply chain disruptions and even disruptions at our grocery stores and the food system as a whole. We already know that they've been burning down food processing plants, so that's nothing new. So you need to be prepared. That's the bottom line. And that's literally filling your personal silos. And that means having emergency food on hand and having a food plan. The foundation for any good emergency food plan is this, is that you need to have food that can be, is there for you all the time, healthy, well-balanced meals, sufficient number of calories each day, and gives you enough variety that it doesn't mentally wear you down, which is a big deal, by the way. If you try eating MREs for 60 days or something, you'll discover what I'm saying. My Patriot Supply is the top supplier in the nation, and our website is preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Check it out. Head on over there and take a look at their emergency, their three-month emergency food packet. You should get one for every member of the family without any question. Creates a baseline for what you're going to need. And then it allows you to build from that. But that baseline in your emergency food system should be a system that is there on the grab and ready to go in case something happens. And it's always there. Out of sight, out of mind, no worry, no fuss. It's the best insurance policy you have. So head on over to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Check it out. Get one of those three-meal, three-month emergency food systems for each member of your family. The best investment you can make. Now, in addition to the craziness of our world in food, we have the craziness of the economics, of course. We can't go without that. So what does that look like? Well, we know. We have the insane people trying to drive our economy to the ground. They're trying to implement a CBDC. That means that everything in the money you have in the bank is going to be tracked, and they can even start limiting how you buy. And this rollout is being set up now as they try to scramble everything in the world, get everybody in panic, collapse a Ponzi scheme fiat money system, and then roll people into this CBDC to where they can dictate how much and how often you can spend. Your retirement accounts are at risk where they sit right now if they are not sitting in precious metal. So that's why we have Birch Gold. So if you text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S to 989898, B-A-R-D-S to 989898, you're going to get a free info packet from Birch Gold to discuss precious metals and deferred account IRAs. So they have it all. They're, they're ex- experts in this. They've been with us for over a year. Give them a call. Once you get the packet, read through it, get educated, then give them a call. If you have an existing IRA or 401k, they can move that right away at no cost to you. But they are the experts to look at this on how to set up tax-deferred precious metals-based IRAs. And that's something you want, and you want to have that around in the event that things kind of go haywire, which is getting increasingly probable. So again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. 
get your info packet today. Intimacy with God. I don't think there's anything we desire more than intimacy with our Father. At least I would hope not. That sort of intimacy gives us just a profound insight into how we live. Psalm 46.10, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And that's for us to seek him out, to seek his face as we're called to do. The interesting thing is that all of that is us facing him, seeking his face. It's face to face. Someone passed this word to me today. I thought it was just very profound word. And I think it has a lot of implications. And the word is this, it's in separation where perversion begins. This is really profound, and we start to apply this to all of our lives. Our intimacy with God is, we are, as people, we build our relationship or should be building our relationship through God. And in doing so, it becomes an issue of us facing each other to build that intimacy. And when we fight, we fight back to back, right? Right? facing outward as a team, but as we build intimacy, we face each other face to face. We can visualize that pretty easily. And this whole process of us getting to know him is to seek his face. We live in a strange culture right now that is completely perverted and upside down. And everything we do in this culture somehow seems to be taking us farther away from each other. If it's Digital, then we're, we're finding new ways to get ourselves away from even seeing each other. This whole thing with avatar world and the meta, I mean, this is all three-dimensional avatars that are now going to interact with somebody else. And I'm going to have an avatar between me and you, and you're going to have your avatar between you and me. So there's two digital avatars that are going to be facing off with each other, and we never see each other. We never connect with each other. Certain technologies are trying to bridge that gap to try to bring people closer. One of those would be Marco Polo as a texting app. Very interesting idea because you're able to send a video text with somebody so you can talk to them and they can see your facial expressions, which adds its measure of personality. But the problem is with all things digital, it's a two-dimension. It's not a three-dimensional experience. Actually, I could even say we're a five-dimensional experience because we have so much more around us. But however that works, it is a digital representation of the person that we're looking at. It's not the real thing. It becomes a digital avatar. Even though it looks like you, looks like me, it's a video image of me, it's made of ones and zeros. It's not me. Everything in our world has worked to move us farther apart. And it's becoming a world of increasing unreality that we're trying to tell ourselves is more real. In fact, Marco Polo is a great example because as an app, people try to talk about how it's an improvement in communication. The only improvement in communication is when I sit down across from you and we have a cup of coffee and you can have a donut and I'll, I'll have a piece of steak or some bacon because I'm still doing carnivore. But however that works, you get my point. And we have a conversation. And that conversation is what truly is that face-to-face intimacy that helps us build true relationships. And I've talked about this quite a bit because in Afghanistan, my main role was engaging people. I literally did engagements. That's what I did for, I mean, on my day in and day out. And what was that besides eating too much goat 
and too much rice, which I did a lot of. I gained a lot of weight when I was over there too, which actually helped me because I never looked like a guy who was working special ops. <laughs> I was a little heavy, heavier than I am now. I wasn't obese, but I was a little heavier than I am, quite a bit heavier than I am now. And they just saw me as like some dude. And it allowed me to get in and work with them pretty easily because there was no suspicion. But that's the byproduct of a high-carb diet and, and driving around too much around the countryside, I'll tell you that right now. Anyway, I digress. The whole point of the engagement was to get to know people, to talk to them, to see their body language, to see their expressions, how they sat, how they moved, how, what, what, did they, what was their essence when you were around them? What was the sentiment of the crowd around them? These things are being inside, and, and that's part of doing visual observation to learn the true depth of human terrain. And that's what we would do over and over. And I would do it over and over. And when I did it, my, my interpreter and I would work together constantly as a good team. His name was Manhaj. Very, very proud of the fact that I brought him over to the States. By the way, he is living in the States. He lives in the Bay Area now. He works as a programmer for LinkedIn. When he came over to the States, he didn't even have a high school diploma. And in that process, he he did Uber. He did a bunch of other stuff to pay for his way, support his family, went to school, went to college, and uh, moved his family away from the mosque so that they would live in a, in a normal Christian community. He's a really good man. And now, and he has, he has saved my life a couple of times. And he now lives in the Bay Area working, working for LinkedIn. That is, by the I just say that as a sidebar. When we start talking about generalizing in Muslims and Islam and stuff, please don't. Because I've seen that type of effort, and I've seen, and so has others that have worked with these folks, who have literally laid their life down for us and saved us. And he did for me a couple of times, quite seriously. And so it's... Um, if we just if we had that sort of focus on our life and the bringing up the family and raising good families, we'd be in a different place. But this all does lead to the family. That's just it. And it leads to so many other branches. And you know, that's literally takes us, whenever I say that, where does it take us? It should take us all in our minds right back to John 15. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you. The teachings which I have discussed with you remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. And it goes on. That is... John 1 to 5, or I'm sorry, 1 through 4, John 15, 1 to 4. And it's such an important message in this sense of intimacy because it is truly that relationship that we build intimately of taking in the fruit of what we're given and to literally be a part of a process we are constantly being trimmed and improved upon. So I'm just kind of opening with this here because I want to start digging into a couple areas that I, I think that are important to look at. And it goes back to that word. It is in separation where perversion begins. 
God designed us in intimacy to be face to face. Anything other than that, that separation of bodies in any other way separates the souls and in, and in comes perversion. That's amazing. And it's, it's, it is a great word because we start to think about everything. We start at the core and the, and the root of all of this, and it's the separation of us from the word. They have stripped the word from schools. They have stripped the word from government. They have stripped the word from everything in our lives. And that intimacy, which is literally face-to-face, know God, seek his face. That face is taken away from us, and we begin to see the seeds of perversion settle in, and we're seeing it now. And the farther we get separated from it, the more the perversion flows in. And this affects everything in our lives. It affects our personal relationships, our sexual relationships. It, it, it affects the way we work in our families. Take a look at families. I, tonight, I sat down. I haven't actually been, been back to the house here with my parents for a couple of weeks, and I came in tonight. And I'll, I'll be here for the rest of the week. And we had dinner like we always do. We sat down and had dinner. We prayed together. We talked. We engaged with one another. Didn't, we weren't looking at cell phones. We weren't having the TV on. There was no music on. We just talked. We were. We do what we do. My parents, by the way, just turned 60 this last month, 61 years in marriage, 61 years. And what's really amazing about their relationship is it centers on this principle of exactly what we're talking about. It's in separation where perversion begins, and it's face-to-face. God intended us to be face-to-face every morning, Every day, I mean, they literally, when they talk, they look at each other. They, they, my mom, I love watching her because my dad talks, she still looks into his eyes. 61 years of marriage and she's never fallen out of love with that man and he the same. And I look at that and I look at my, my life as a representation of the train wreck of marriages across this nation. And I openly own that. And I look at that and we talked about this tonight. We, we look at them and I look at them and I'm like, you have become that, that anomaly anymore, which is sick to say, sad to say. You have become the anomaly of 61 years of marriage. You've become that. Isn't that amazing? And our marriages now are getting slaughtered left and right. And so much of this is at the core relationship piece of what's happening to us. I mean, we had a very open conversation tonight, my parents and I, and, and it's interesting. It's, they didn't forge their relationship on sex. They re- forged their relationship on, a, on an issue of dating and getting to know each other and making a commitment long before any of that came into play. And yeah, this is some sort of details, but this is the truth of what has happened to us. And when we say face-to-face, unfortunately, most people think of like, mm, I'm going to kiss somebody. or We're not even talking about that. We're talking about this this spiritual connection with people that we build and we build it through God. And so in the whole concept of our intimacy in our life, it affects our family, our lives, our relationships. And in the world that we're in right now, everything is being done to strip it, pull it away and divide us through this black mirror stuff that we carry in our pocket, that the only way I can interact with somebody is by looking at a digital image. You know, when we get together in fellowship and we all hold hands and we pray, that's power. 
That's mightiness. And we're praying in. We, and at our event here in Portland or in Hillsborough, it was so amazing to have this circle of about 30 people. And we're holding hands and we're praying and it was kids and it was adults and we're praying and we're, we're, we're giving testimonies. And we're sitting down and we're talking to each other face to face, literally. When you do deliverance with somebody, you're face to face with them in such a profound way. And this is this intimacy where God comes alive and the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. And, I, and we have to start looking at how we're going to get back to that root. And I really don't know what that looks like, at least not yet. But we have to find it. Because it's, it's a fundamental issue It's what's going to change us in returning us to a place where we start to value families at the very root. And it's in all things. Again, I go back to dinner, just talking to one another, looking at one another, experiencing one another. It's really quite amazing. And that experience builds a deeper relationship in our souls. Unfortunately, our children don't see that often. They don't get to model it. And I, again, these are not generic statements at everybody, but it is the large percentage of our children come from broken families. They've lost that relationship to have a family sit down, have dinner, break bread, have a conversation, put the cell phones down, no cell phone, no TV, no noise, nothing. Just focus on words and speech myself, yourself, build an intimacy in this relationship. And that builds the strength, the armor of the family. It builds an understanding of greater things. We talk a lot about the Kentrell family. Nine kids, two parents living in a large fifth wheeler as they travel around the country and they minister. They are amazing. Truly. And in that process, they live their days working closely in intimacy with one another. And surprise, surprise, they're some of the most prof prof prophetic and spiritually anchored families I've ever met. And they're truly alive with the Holy Spirit. This whole concept continues in everything. I mean, it, when we build into the problem, and I know I've talked about this a lot, but I, I'm not going to let this thing go. And I, I mean this when I'm about ready to step into, which is pornography. This is a sickening attack on our nation that's going to the seed and is destroying the intimacy of what God intended for us. And unfortunately, there's way too many men that are addicted. And it's primarily men. Yes, women have a growing market in it, not any better, but men are the main problem. And once this, once you get hooked into those sorts of artificial and visual stimuli like that, especially in an area that is truly a sin, it's for good reason it's a sin, because it rots us out. It destroys our level of understanding intimacy. We can't relate to God anymore because we're relating through God through the filter of sexual imagery. We can't relate to our wives anymore because it becomes a filter of sexual imagery overlaid upon the person that God wanted us to be with or you married, however that worked. And whatever was in there and is that soul, that, that part that sparkled in your heart when you met that person, hopefully it was that way, gets filtered through the lens of eroticism and artificial 
looks, which <laughs> he's like to say it all the time. If dudes, if you are like looking at Victoria's Secret, you're looking at dudes. Like seriously, that's the secret. Okay. I hope that like gives you a really bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> if you like never again, like good. Don't. It's horrible. But this this is this whole concept of face to face and intimacy is a profound concept overall when we talk about building relationships and building that strength where, where the Holy Spirit lives and where God flows in us. It works literally from the bedroom to the corporate boardroom and the whole principles in between. So they've taken God out of schools. They've taken God out of government. They've taken God out of literally every aspect of our life. They've taken God out of the military. And, and we've continued to see this assault, which is ultimately assault on the intimacy of the relationship between God and us. Our relationships then succumb to being relationships of the physical, not of the spiritual. Our world is a material world where everything is now fashioned around what people look, drive, how people look, how they drive, where they live, what their house looks like, what's your latest fashion you have on. These have nothing to do with intimacy. They have to do with value principles of a material world that now establishes status and separation based on economic levels or the one I love is when people try to act like they're in a higher economic class and rake up the debt to try to emulate what they think would get them into that class. And that's a whole other insanity of this world. And it's sad, truly sad. So what do we do about it? And ironically, it's not that tough. And it's getting back to the land. It's getting back to purpose. It's getting back to being in a world where the things are tangible and real. Which right now I should have like a little dinger going off because what I'm about ready to say I've been asked for for over a week. And that is, what's going on with my cows? And how does this relate? Everything relates to cows when you get through with it. I have 16 new cows, all semangus. Semitol Angus, they were bred by Terry Anderson. They're fantastic animals. They're beautiful. And I have one Semitol Angus bull, which was bred by Terry Anderson. It's Anderson and Ander Anderson um, Land and Livestock. He's an amazing man. He's a Christian. Tons of respect for him. And he's given me that start that I've needed to build a good herd. I shouldn't say giving me, but he's allowed me to work with him to buy the animals I need to build a great herd. And that's amazing for me. Because you don't usually, as a small guy like I am, you don't usually get to work with top-level breeders, and he is one. So what does all that mean? And why do I bring up cows? Because these 16 cows are all pregnant. They're going to start dropping their calves somewhere in the last week of November and through about the 15th of December by what the birth check says. It could still happen any time at this point. And once that starts, I have to be on call. I'm going to be traveling around quite a bit, but I'm still going to make myself present to be on call every chance I have up on that ranch. And that's a 24-hour deal. Middle of the night, checking on them, in the ATV, checking on them. That's a real intimate section there. I'm experiencing the birth from an animal. It's the part of being alive again and separating away from the digital world. 
it's the help that you're going to need with your neighbors if you're not able and you might need an extra hand with something, pulling a calf out. But we need to get ourselves back to the root of who we're supposed to be. Jeremiah 6.16, ancient paths. Seek the ancient paths. And when we start doing that, we start to reclaim the whole principles of being in touch with God once again. And as we do, we start to be there with him. I've spent a couple weeks now up at the ranch, and the intimacy level that I have built with God is off the chain because I can spend time with him. I can be in the world with him. I'm not being, I can step away from the computer desk and I can step into the world of the real. I can walk with the animals. I can walk in the trees. I can be in the open air. I can be with God. He lives in the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere up there. And he does everywhere. And as we start to put our hands into the earth and we put our hands with the animals and we put our hands with the bees and we start to build things with our hands, we're starting to get connected again to the power and glory of who he is. And that is when we're seeking his face in the most profound way. Our minds aren't distracted and pulled away to the sexualization. It's really like a crazy noise storm because when you put your toe back in the water of what is mainstream culture, it's almost nauseating. Because the mainstream world is swirling with this sewer of pornography and sexual imagery, drugs, violence. Everything about this world is is just wretched the way it's presented. But we step off into the land and you can wake up in the morning and you can look outside and see something else. And you can breathe the fresh air and you can go down and check on the cattle. And you can start working that land as men should. We start to revive the intimacy in our love for God. And that should be worth everything right there. Like literally sell the house, pack it up, go get an acre and go. We have to find our way back to a more intimate relationship with him. Because when we do that, that in itself is such an, that protects us from this perversion that is flowing everywhere in our world. And it's here. It's intense. It's affecting our children. Let me give you another version of this. I'm, I'm stepping all over things right now, but that's kind of the way I'm working these days. Dating. Here's one. Dating. I, I Look, I dated. And it's this kind of crazy world where it's 10 times crazier than when it was with me. But there's an unbelievable level of, I would say, misplaced trust and perhaps naivety on parents' parts to think that somehow something is not going to happen to their child on a date. Anymore, the sexualization of this youth is profound. It is off the scale what they are being exposed to and what they're aware of. 12-year-old children being exposed to pornography, hardcore pornography, like 80% by the time they are in that 12-year-old range. Incredible. And so those are going to be perverted concepts when we try to allow young adults to date. But now think about this in terms of courtship. This is when the whole family comes together to be part of the relationship building between a, a daughter and a son-in-law or a son in a son and a daughter, a future daughter-in-law, two children, two young kids. 
There's an amazing level of intimacy, interaction that builds out of this. And what happens? You wrap that around. You're building strength in who they are. They start to build resilience. They start to build that strength in the, in the faith and the Holy Spirit in them. And they have a support system to keep them away from the corruption and the perversion that can come into them. And I think about this a lot because what happens with you when you have a young girl, I'm just going to use that as an example, she goes on a date and then she comes back and, well, you don't find out for a number of weeks, say, and that evening didn't go quite right. The boyfriend she was with decided to go a little too far. You weren't there as a parent, but you were sure trusting things were going to be okay. And now she's been violated, wrecked. She lives with that. And that has affected so many things. That guilt and that burden that has come upon her is now affecting the most important issue, which is the intimacy with the Father. And here's the other thing. Back to this face-to-face idea that that's how we should be face-to-face. I guarantee you, if your daughter, and using that example, if it's a daughter, she goes through it, you're going to lose that intimacy face-to-face, the physical. There's going to be lack of eye contact. There's going to be avoidance. See how important this becomes? Seek his face is so is a fundamental rule. If we're seeking God's face, shouldn't we be seeking the face of those that we love as well and truly seeing them for who they are, spending time before them in an intimate way, spiritual, not physical, and, and holding those spaces to raise up the mightiness of the Holy Spirit within us? And as we start to get back to the root of these things, we start to appreciate in a greater way how God works through us and how he lives with us. We should all seek to want him to be present with us in all times. And we should be seeking to be have him present with our children at all times. But I think that we've come to a place in culture where we start to think about the mechanisms of growing up rather than the process and the spiritual reality of growing up. So the mechanisms, for example, of growing up is like, okay, my child is born, I'm going to get them into certain schools, they're going to do certain sports, they're going to be exposed to certain people, certain levels of education, and then we're going to get them into college and they're going to do certain things, there's going to be a car along the way, they're going to drive, and then we start to put these benchmarks on these exciting moments in their life, which we're kind of pre-planning and deciding what those are going to be. And with it, much of it anymore becomes pretty mechanical, And I would argue for many of these events, they sound good, they sell well, they're good for the the social classes that happen in high school and middle class or middle school or younger. But that intimacy with God, which is the most valuable for many, it just doesn't exist. And the problem with that is as these things go along and then you get into the growing up and the dating and the The other things, there's so many pieces that start to pull the youth away. And if parents aren't taking an authority on this, we raise up children who really don't know or love our father. And perversion sets in. It's a consequence of things. We just see it. People don't like to have their lives questioned in ways like this many times because they're looking at this and saying, look, 
I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm going to run my life the way I want to run it. I'm going to get into a comment that was made, not tonight. I, I've got another show coming up on it. And it's a comment that was made about me because I was talking about occult sexual practices in the bedroom. It's like, whatever. But it is the point is that how we model ourselves from the bed to the corporate boardroom affects how we see each other, how we relate to each other. And I go back again. It affects the way our children are, are brought out into the world, exposed to things in the world, and how we cherish them in the world. And it's so important that we get back to those principal cores of being, of really being nurturing of the children and not just to try to cast them into the world so that they'll be in a better place or be more socialized or we're going to give them more, more responsibility, whatever else we're doing. The most important asset we have, our children, the most important structure we have to reclaim the nation is the family. And the root of all of that is our relationship and intimacy with our father. And to do that, we have to build this seek, we have to build this relationship on seeking his face, a face-to-face relationship that then goes from the root to the tree, the whole thing, and literally transforms us from the bottom up in such a profound way that we literally can change this world faster than we've ever imagined. I've been praying on this for weeks, and it's pretty interesting where I've been led in the path that I've walked over the last almost four years. Well, it is four years since I started this podcast. It'll be five actually coming up this year. Can you believe that? In May of 2024, it'll be five years. It's pretty amazing. But anyway, I know where I began. I began with a little bit of God and a whole bunch of news and technical analysis and and network analysis and cultural analysis and all these things, which I do natively. And as we've evolved, those tables have spun and they've gone a different way. And we now talk about much more Jesus and much more God and much less news. And I can still do the news. That's not an issue. <clears throat> but the problem that we have is that the solution to our world isn't about news. And I should say the problem I have because in trying to present that content, it's the realization, truly, that the most fundamental part of everything that very few people are talking about is the family. I could talk to you all day about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. We could talk all day about land patents and securing land in a proper way, using common law, all those things, great. But none of that is going to stick. None of that is going to hold until the family unit itself is reconstituted And that begins with the marriage up. And at the root of destruction is one of the most pernicious things, which is pornography and the objectification of everything in our, of who we see each other. And one of the most, and the other rancid root on this is our drugs. 
If we focused our entire time on removing those two rancid roots and then stepping into another world where we place the emphasis on the intimacy in God and our relationships through our families from the root up, it wouldn't take long at all to take this world back because everything that they are, stand for, represent, try to force upon us, we would reject. And so when I look at problems these days, and I look across the span of all the things going on. I see it like I used to see it. I mean, I can see the movement of things. I can see the interconnectivity. You look at a, the conflict in Israel, you know very well, if you've studied it at all, we've got Mossad playing both ends to the middle, both ends to the middle because they're trying to wipe out the Palestinians. The Palestinians are being, being used. The Palestinians are being used as cannon fodder for the Hamas and cannon fodder for the Israelis. Everything is about perpetuating a war so they can annihilate one population. You're trying to draw Iran into the war because you've got the largest growing Christian population, but they don't tell you that. Instead, they want to blame it on Iran and Hamas, and they want to get in a war with Iran so they can wipe out the Christians. This is the sort of craziness that's going on, and I can see all this. Sure, great, I can present it. But what changes it? What's the one thing that changes it? And the one thing that changes it has to come back to this nation. What does that mean? We as a nation have the responsibility to the world to change things. Because we end up being that light on the hill, that city with the light on the hill. That's what we are. That's what we were to the world. But what's the one nation that's having the greatest war on its family and ripping out its the root and the seed of the family? It's us. It's the world being attacking us on this. We want to change the world. We change our families. We restore our families. We protect our children. We dump out and get rid of any of these infectious things like drugs and pornography in our family ranks. We reestablish the priority of parenting in the family. We rekindle that so children respect parents rather than hate them, get them out of public schools, homeschool them, and restore the intimacy with God. Because once we do that, the perversion of the system ceases to exist within the, the boundaries of the family. That's profound to me. That's change for me. That's meat on the bone. Because it's something that every single one of us can do and get involved with, engaged with, and make a difference. And so there's a whole pathways to do there. You can get back to the land and you can start experiencing God, which is a good idea. But either way, we've got to get our hands back into the earth and back into life of making things to reclaim that intimacy. And we have to bring our family units into that space where we start rekindling the intimacy with God to literally seek his face and to stand face to face with one another to build that depth of who we are in all things and remember that how we are in the bedroom to the corporate boardroom literally affects how this works. We model the life that we want that reflects the core values of who we are and that modeling in a community, to a county, to a state, affects the way the nation runs and what the heart of the nation is. So if I was to look right now at the United States, I would say that the heart of the nation is dying. The heart of the nation is rotting. And how do we fix it? We go back to the root. And we clean up that root and we start putting together families again based on the traditional values of things, to stand up and to move and truly be great in kingdom. Let's pray. 
Father, it's going to thank you tonight for this message and the walk that we're taking to explore the depths of these things, get taking it down to the root. We are in an interesting time when so many pieces are moving and so many things are falling apart, and yet we seem to forget how simple this answer really can be. This answer rests in the glory of the love in you and the intimacy you and in every one of our lives. So, Father, tonight we're just praying for that profound revival of the love in Jesus and the love of you in our families, in our homes, at our table, in our dinner table, facing each other, breaking bread, exchanging conversations, living without the digital technologies, and start raising up true families that are in love with you, anointed families under the banner of and name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, in this hour, I just ask that you raise us, lift us up, and let us be truly mighty in our time. Let me say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, patriots. Hope you have a blessed evening. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body Oh